we're in our tier tier finding God. I, I, last night we had our, we wrapped up our 21 days of fasting together and just we kind of simplified it. We just had a big circle. We, we prayed, we worshiped together, but we shared about like, what God was doing in our lives through this fast and everything that, um, you know, just changed and things. I, I was really excited to hear everybody's testimonies and stories about everything God did and uh, really encouraged me. But I just want to encourage you guys that maybe you weren't there, but you still fasted to, to hold on to those uh, truths and things that you learned through that fast and incorporate those things going forward. One of the big things for me is I took the Facebook app off of my phone for the fast, and um, I'm not putting it back on my phone because it, like, it not only just sucked my time away, and we had just talked about like balancing time and stuff, like man, I get to focus on all these other things, but it also just kept my mind less cloudy throughout the day because you know, I'm just not filling it with junk. And, um, so that's something that I'm carrying from my fast into radio life from here too. So I encourage you to find things like that. Um, like I said, we're in our series Finding Balance, and we've been using this illustration that Solomon gave us in Ecclesiastes 7 18. Says it is good that you grasp the one. Do not let the other slip from your hand. And be present and here in each moment of our lives. Uh, Matthew 6 21 says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I was just thinking about the aspect of like valuing our present moments. And if we treasure right now, we treasure treasure treasure. We treasure our present, then the desires of our heart will be right here. And like that's like this promise that we can have. It right now, the desire things of God right now this moment. And so often we set our desires on the future. And the future is not guaranteed, but what we do have is right now. If we can just treasure that, I think we find so much more value in life. Um, we talked about this before, and, uh, but one of the ways that you can sit down and you can figure out, okay, God, what do I really value in my life compared to, um, you know, what I actually feel I value? A lot of people. And most people, I, they were just talking about it in state a few weeks ago, that there's a, a whole lot of you that you know about yourself. There's a whole section of, of things that you think you are yourself, like who you are, and then there's a section that, like, who you really are. There's a, a lot of times that we like to live in this, uh, who we think we are, but our actions and everything that we're doing don't actually reflect that. And so I like to use different exercises to help me, like, okay, am I actually living out what I think I am? And one of those ways is like sitting down um, out there. We talked about time last two weeks. And, uh, okay, where am I actually spending my time? Because it's a really valuable resource of mine. If I really value something, my time should reflect it. And one of the other things that we can look at is where do we spend our money? Because our money is, you can probably go, like, this is fairly valuable stuff that I have. And where I'm spending my money will reflect where I value it. And so since we've already talked about time, today we're going to talk about money. And I know the first time I mentioned that, like 10 of your eyes just glossed over and you just checked out. And I just want you to come back to earth with me. Okay, join me today. I, I can promise you that I'm not going to ask for your money today. And if you already like clicked off of Facebook, well, you don't hear this anyways. But come back to it and listen. I was just talking to, to Noah before service. He asked what we're talking about. I'm like, well, we're talking about money today. He's like, oh boy. And um, it's like one of those taboo topics you just avoid. But honestly, I felt like I'd be robbing you of so much wisdom from the Bible if we don't talk about money because it's a huge part of your life. It's a huge part of all of our lives. 
And if we just avoid it, it's like, well, yeah, you know, we'll talk about two-thirds of your life, but the other third, we're never going to mention because it makes people uncomfortable. Well, I'm sorry, you're going to be uncomfortable with me today because the scriptures talk about himself, talked a lot about money, actually. And he said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. One extreme is living our lives serving our money or letting our money master or enslave us. Uh, and a lot of people read that person like, that's okay, I love God, so that's obviously not my problem. But it probably sneaks in more than you know because our society is all about serving money um, and, and lots of different ways. And so, stick with me. Now, I, I think a lot of people don't like talking about their money or finances because money does master them. And we don't like talking about things that master our lives. We don't like talking about things that, that control us when we don't want them to. Um, it's kind of embarrassing, right, to admit that something else has control of your life. But I picture is like, you know, when a group of guys are out hanging out as friends, and one of their girlfriends or their wives call, and then, you know, they hang up the phone, and they're like, yeah, uh, looks like I'm feeling tired and I'm ready to go home, you know? <laughs> right? And you're like, Okay, yeah, of course your wife just said, hey, it's time to get home and watch kids. But you don't want to say that, because that's like embarrassing, because now you don't have control of your life. Right? But you're okay with it. You just don't want other people to know. And that's kind of where money sits. Right? I don't want you guys to know how money controls my life, so I just rather avoid talking about it and talk about like what, where I feel like I have control. Right? I worked for, as a financial advisor for um, a while, and my job was really to take people's financial situations and help them improve them in really three main areas, uh, paying out debt, preparing for retirement, or just having adequate savings, and then also uh, proper insurance coverage on their lives. And what was crazy to me, I, I really like numbers, and something I really enjoyed, and uh, what was crazy to me is I could sit down with these people that are, their financial situation is a mess, they're barely able to, to make their bills, and every month going more and more in debt, and I can come back with a plan for them that would cost them nothing more than what they're already spending out. Sometimes they even put more money in their pocket every month. But nine out of ten times, they said, no, we don't need it. We're okay over here. Like, I know my life's a mess. I see that. Because we just talked about it all. But it's my mess, you know. And uh, what I think was really the problem was money was their master. And they served it instead of it serving them. And that's a reality for our whole culture. And money can master us kind of in two different ways, according to scripture and um, in reality. It can enslave us through financial obligations. More than 189 million Americans have credit cards. And on average, each household with one credit card carries $8,400 in credit card debt. And that's just credit card. Americans, you know, we have several different types of debt um, besides credit card debt. You have mortgages and auto loans and student loans and personal loans. My wife is the, the saver in our family and I am the light. I mean, there's always a way to get it, you know? Like, and I can always convince myself. And this sort of I love new things. I'm fascinated by new technology. Um, I'm fascinated by whatever the better thing coming out is just because I, my brain loves to like, just the way things work. And so when there's new technology or new cars and it gets better gas coming or you know, however it has improved, I'm like, I want to be a part of that because that's just awesome. And I can convince myself that anything will improve my life. And 
I have a hard time not buying it. And this is really true when it comes to my hobbies. Uh, right now, currently, a lot of my hobby time I spent backpacking and hiking, and uh, I found that it's probably the most affordable of my hobbies, so I cut out a bunch of other ones. But I have, I have a small room, a very small, mostly closet room in my house I refer to as my pleasure room, because it's full of all of my camping gear. I mean, our camping gear, right? Anyway, but backpacking, it's just so much more enjoyable, and things are lighter, and the lighter things are, the more expensive they get, and but it's worth it, right? I don't, I can mess myself, I don't need you to agree. But I stopped owning a lot of other things. I used to, I had a private car that I could dump thousands of dollars into daily, easily, just because there's always something better out there. It's like, well, if I'm replacing that, I might as well put the best thing in, you know? Why would I just put a little bit better? I used to own a ton of music gear, and uh, doing my work, my cousin and I talked to music gear, and it's like, I could go out today and drop probably $100,000 in music gear like that, because there's so much stuff, and always new things and better things, and because it's new and better, they can put a higher price tag. And I say that to let you know that this isn't something easy for me to hear either. Um, like all people, I love to be comfortable, and I love to find those things that will improve my life. But to keep a certain level of comfortability in our world just, you know, seems to never satisfy. You know, just think about, you know, you're like, well, this house, I can use some more room so you get a bigger house. But now all of a sudden you have more things to fill, so you need another bed for that guest bedroom, and you need, you have all the second levels of stuff because you have more bathrooms now, or like, I got a big three-car garage, so I need four vehicles now, because, you know, I need somebody to know I have a car that sits out, you know? I, uh, right here, like, I get some nicer clothes because there's some new ones out that I like. You know, you, you just, it's so easy to just keep filling your life, and when you need to keep a, a certain level of income now, and you need more of it for yourself, and you can no longer live your way without it, it's mastering. You know, often you say, well, I just earn some more money, I could, then I could get more, and I could do more. Right? If I just get another job, or if I just work a little bit harder and make some extra money, but, you know, basically our society teaches financial, like, idea of like a, a bucket. And uh, you're like, okay, this bucket to the brim covers all of what I need. And once I get a little bit above that bucket, then I can give to some people. You know, whatever flows out, I'm okay with helping and doing some extra stuff. But you're know, like, like all people, you're like, well, my bucket's overflowing, I need to get a bigger bucket. And, and we just keep improving our bucket size instead of really allowing God to use what's above. But uh, this again is, like I said, this is something that is my struggle. Um, Victoria and I, we owned, owned, because we're paying on it, like most Americans, a four-bedroom, two-bath home, three-car garage. I had a music studio, I built in the basement. It was full of everything and anything you can ever imagine. We blew our minds how much stuff we had in our house. And uh, within a year, we went from that house to living in a camper with our family, selling pretty much everything that we had. Uh, we had the vehicle that pulled our camper, and our camper with some stuff, and a very, very small storage unit of things that we kept in one year. There's some things I would advise to do and other things I wanted, but we learned a lot about what our previous bucket size and what really it takes to live by, and how much money had controlled our lives and the things we had. And money can mask you by just setting up your life to need more than you really need. 
and then that leaves you not in control of your life. Right? When you are indebted in this way, it directly conflicts with living the life that God has asked of you to live. And we're talking about it more, but um, needing a certain amount of income can keep you from the rest we talked about. Right? I can't have a work-rest balance because I have to work all the time to bring in a certain amount of money to pay for everything that I have. Right? So now you're, it's causing you to go directly against something God has had for you. you got to you know, work those extra shifts, pick up side hustles, do all those things that takes you from time with your family and your friends. It can keep you from being a cheerful giver, which is directed by Scripture. It really can keep you from living out the calling that God has on you. Victoria and I felt this. Um, we probably would have went to the mission field years ago, but couldn't because we had so much debt. Like, I, we couldn't. We had to work jobs, and I was like, I'm not going to go to the mission field and be like, hey, churches, support me in my bad financial decisions, right? <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, but that, I, I believe that I could have been somewhere else. Obviously, God always works things out for the good, and we're here doing this now. But I, I literally have missed out on things that God had in my life because of our financial decisions. Probably mine. Not much <laughs> but there's another piece to being mastered by money. And that's when you just love having money so much that you, you let it direct your life so that you can have more. You choose to serve money, and therefore it becomes your master. This usually consumes young adults' lives in small ways, and it's kind of taught to us in school again, but um, like school and all of that stuff is really based about like how to get out into life and succeed by making money. It's that really the only definition that they really teach us in school of like is what life is about, going out and making enough money to provide for the life that you want. Right? We start to, you know, in school they teach you to how to look at colleges, how to get the degree to, to make this, you know standard of living later, we start to view everything through kind of our, our money filter glasses, right? Will this career provide a life at the comfort level I need? Right? Then we graduate, we look for a job, we sometimes have to choose money over our friends, over our passions, over our places. It becomes ingrained in us that choosing more money is the better choice in our lives, always. Right? And over time, over our family, over our friends, you know, we're gone, we choose to serve money. There's a story in the Bible of a good Christian young man who encounters Jesus. In Mark 10, 17 through 27. It says, As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him and knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone and honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've been all these commandments since I was young. Look at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you don't have, or you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them, but Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. This young man could not really fully God because God was not his master, his money, his possessions. Right? You notice that because Jesus, when he lists the Ten Commandments, he didn't start at the beginning. He didn't mention, you know, only one true God. Because he knew he followed all these other commandments. 
But all of a sudden, money was his God. His possessions were his God, and he couldn't choose that over them. Now, this isn't something that God told us all to ask for, but uh, 1 Timothy 6, 9-10, it says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation, and they are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And for some people, craving money has have wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Right? Money itself is not evil. Right? It's the love of it that's the root that leads to evil. And I want to clarify here that it's okay to have money. Right? It's okay to have money. It's not okay for your money to have you. Right? And that's where we live. And that's not okay. Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.12, this is not on the slide. I don't I think I have the most slides I've ever made, probably. Dave can testify to that. But this verse didn't make it out there. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.12 it says, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Just because we can, doesn't always mean it's best. Right? That's 90% of what finding balance in your life is going to look like. Because being mastered means you're probably at an extra. And to do best to fear the Lord means we have to avoid it. So give careful thoughts here, ways that we heard about last week. Consider how possibly money has been controlling your life and how, in many ways, maybe it has mastered you. So let's talk about balance and looks like. We, we talked a couple weeks ago with um, talking about that work and rest balance that we're commanded to work. We are commanded to stay busy and to earn a living. 2 Thessalonians 3, 9 to 13 says, we certainly had the right to ask you to feed us when we wanted to give you an example to follow. But we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those that are willing to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people to, and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Proverbs 12 10 says, A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. Proverbs 24 33 34. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will, poverty will pounce on you like a band, and scarcity will attack you like an armed guard. Proverbs 19 20 says, Lazy people sleep soundly, but idleness leaves them hungry. But it's very clear in the Bible that we should be working, we should be having some amount of things that keep us busy and earning a living and taking care of ourselves and taking care of those around us. So on one hand, we should be these hard workers, but a job is to make a living, it's not to be our living, right? And money is a means to live, it's not the means to live. Right? If someone asks you why do you live, no one would say, to make money. But the reality of most of our lives is we live to make money. Thank you. I was saying, seriously, if you think about it, right, it takes up most of your time. Your whole lives are built around the schedule you have to have for work. And again, necessarily bad if it's not mastering you, but we live in America and first of the country really to make money. And money jobs, like we've talked about before, they need to be separate from our identity. They should only be a means to help us live out our identity. Right, listen to these verses. Verse 8 of 2.7 says, The Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings some down and he lifts others up. Right? It's 
to the Lord, right? Proverbs 15, 16 says, It's better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. Proverbs 19, 1. Better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and a fool. Proverbs 19, 22 says, Loyalty makes a person attractive. Okay? Are you single people? Okay. Loyalty makes a person attractive. It is better to be poor than dishonest. Proverbs 26, better to be poor and honest than dishonest and rich. Psalms 37, 16, it's better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich. For the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care of the godly. Right? There, there's reasons to choose to have little. It's actually biblical I and mean, from God to, to choose to just live the life God has called you and not just be chasing you. Right? And most people in the church, I would say, they understand and know nowadays that, that prosperity gospel is preaching that when you come to Jesus, you're going to have all the wealth and everything you ever need. You know, people understand that that idea is not right. Yet most people, I believe, still want it to be true and still try to live that way. Well, Jesus did not tell every person to sell all that he has and give it to the poor, like the young rich man. I think we can use that as a test to see what's controlling us. And maybe God is telling you to do that today, not that you have to, but just you felt that urge like, yeah, maybe it does have a little bit too much control in my life. So again, how do we balance this out? How much should money play a part? At the very beginning of this series, we talked about a prayer for a man named Agur from Proverbs 30. Um, and he shows us uh, specifically about money in verses uh, 7-9. He prays, Oh God, I beg two favors from you, and let me have them before I die. First, help me to never tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. And give me neither poverty nor riches. Let me be somewhere in the middle. Give me just enough. How many of you think in that term when it comes to money? God, I just want just enough. Right? Well, I think this is the perfect place for us to, to live in balance. I think God... Especially here in America, we, we live blessed lives where we tend to easily have access to more than enough. And I think God allows that because then we have to figure that out. But it'd be really easy, I think, for our lives if God gave us just enough all the time. But God has called us to more, so sometimes He gives us more, so we have to keep our balance and honor Him through that, and you know, so that we can take care of other people around us. And sometimes He gives us less than just enough to teach us some humility. And have opportunity for others to step up in faith and get. First Timothy 6, 6 to 8. These are the verses that come right before the, the love of money being the root of evil. Um, Paul says here, Yet true godliness with contentment is, is itself great wealth. And that verse alone, godliness and just being okay with where you're at, that is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But again, we're looking at balance and we find moderation, we find contentment, that the key to living balanced is being content with where you are in life. Are you content with what you make? Are you content with what you have? Right? One key to being content with money is remembering that everything we own is a gift from God and not something we earn. Ecclesiastes 5.19 Says, moreover, when God gives someone, when God gives some wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them and to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. 
Colossians 317, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative to the Lord Jesus. Give me thanks to him to God. Colossians 323-24. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as a reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. I never literally directly in that reference to you. You can't serve two masters. Remember, your master is Christ. Not your job, not your paycheck, not your boss. Your master is Christ. Right? We work for God, not for people, not for money. Everything he has is a gift. Money doesn't take care of us. Okay? Our jobs don't provide us. God provides for us. God cares for us. A balanced life means stewarding the gifts that we had in the way God wants us to. And when we live as if our money and possessions are God's, it's easier to not let it control our lives when we begin to serve a true master. Imagine if all the money you had in life was given to you by a firm friend. Right? And so that's the only money you can earn is just what he lets you hold on to. And he was like, you know, obviously you gotta use this money to survive, take care of yourself. But, but it's my money, but you can hold on to it, use it as you need. Would you make the same financial decisions with that money than you would if you considered it your own? Now I'd be like, I'd be like well, I could probably not eat today. You know? You know, I mean, I don't think that's what God is asking of us either, but, right? You'd be so much more careful about every financial decision that you made. We live off of God's resources, not our own. And He will make sure that we're careful. Understanding that what we care for no matter what frees us up to follow God, our Lord, our real master, wherever and whatever he would ask us. If you remember when we talked about finding balance and work, work and rest, we found that God had ordained the Sabbath. He placed into the Ten Commandments this idea to take a rest. And so that is a reminder that he is our provider. It's not the work that we do. And well, similarly, there was something placed all the way back to the beginning that helps us remind us that we are not the providers, and that is the command to get. Deuteronomy 16, 17 says, All must give as they are able, according to the blessings, blessings given to them by the Lord your God. This is from the idea of tithing, which goes all the way back to Abraham in Genesis 14. He decided that he was going to give 10% of a tenth of everything he had to God, just to be to remind himself basically that everything I have is God. So why shouldn't he have some of it back? It says that it was all his possessions that he gave a tenth of. Even Jesus talked about tithing to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23. He says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are capable to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not, do not neglect the more important things. For there is more important things. But it's still very important, as Jesus said, that you should have. But as we continue to go, God does to help. God does this to help bring balance. I found that I was actually looking up verses on gaining wealth and what does the scripture say about being wealthy. Every almost every verse that talks about being wealthy also talks about giving it away. Luke 6:38 says, "Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together." to make room for more, running over and pouring into your back. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Proverbs 28, 27 says, Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, 
but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. 1 Timothy 6, 17-18 says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. Proverbs 3, 9-10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, and the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with rain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. Paul in Acts 20, 35 says, You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember that the words of the, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Luke 3, 10 through 11. The crowds asked, What should we do? John replied, If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. 1 John 3.17, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Proverbs 3.27-28, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Proverbs 11.25-26, the generous will prosper. Those who, are, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. People curse those who hoard their grain, and they bless the one who sells in time of need. Proverbs 21, 25-26, Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin, for their hands refuse to work. But some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. Do you love to give? I'm, there's countless verses. I literally had so many verses that I could be using through these things that I kept cutting back and cutting back. But I want you to understand that this is not a me thing. This is not the church asking for it. This is something that is over and over again in the Bible about money and how to prop, like, properly steward the gifts that God gives us. Right? In Matthew 25, Jesus shared that when we take care of the people around us, we're actually taking care of him. We have been given to so that we can get When we are reminded that we are not the providers, that we are just receivers, that we are stewarding God's things, it becomes easier to give those resources to God, to use where He needs, whether in the church or directly to those around you that are in need. I can easily, like I said, I can just go on and on talking about what the Bible says about being generous and taking care of people who are less fortunate than us. Because it's not our money to begin with. Some of you guys need to start a journey, and Victoria and I are in our journey of, of taking our lives back to letting money master us and start serving God again. Like, we're hopefully this year we'll have our band paid off, and that'll be the last bit of our debt, and we'll be free, no longer mastered by our money, and we can, you know, continue to, to live the way God's asked us. And like I said before, we don't make that kind of money, and we're just. God really convicted of this years ago and we started, okay, these are things we're going to live by. And we never stopped giving, we never stopped caring. We made a commitment that like, pretty much every extra money we had, we were putting to debt, but that we also wasn't going to allow that to stop us from giving. Uh, and so we gave to that. God has blessed us and really taken care of us through all of this. Now, the first step to getting your life right is to start giving, right? I believe you'll make. You can make all of the right, smart financial decisions, but until you start regularly giving your finances, you'll continue to master them. 2 Corinthians 6, 6-7 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, 
But the one who claims generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. It's like, don't be frustrated in giving more than you can handle right now. That's not the, the point of this. And I just, I love how the scripture is like, this is how it works. Um, there's another verse that uses the idea, a man reaps what he sows. If you sow generously, it could be given to you generously. Paul continues with a little teaching about giving in verse 8. It says, And God will generously provide all you need, and then you will always have everything you need, and plenty left over to share with others. Right? That's, that's the American dream, right? But biblically, it comes from giving it away and not going out and getting it all yourself. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources that produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. God will provide all you need. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Right? Do you guys really believe that? Or do your lives reflect, reflect somebody who's take care of their own needs? Be someone who gives cheerfully, not out of obligation. And I know I told you that I wasn't asking for any money, and I'm still not. All right? This is things that God says that you feel like, oh, I feel like you're asking me for money. God's asking for money. You don't even have to give to this church. God is the provider of this church. If he wants us to continue to reach the community and spread the love of Christ, he'll provide for us. I don't need your money. We don't need your money. Okay? I want I want you guys to understand that that's not why we're talking to God will take care of us for whatever it looks like. But if you want to follow what scripture is saying and you want to give and give generously, but you don't want to give here because I'm the one talking about it, I can get it. Go support another church across town. Seriously, right? Because I want to see God bless your lives and for you not to be mastered by your money because I know personally how much better it feels coming out from under that and not having to live my life that way. It's amazing and we should all experience that amount of freedom and I don't want you to feel like this is a message to better this place. I want this to better your lives. And that if that means you have to go support some church across town, great. I, we're all one giant church in God's community anyways. And um, I even can tell you some churches that we're not affiliated at with all. I just love some of the things they do. Uh, Table Church is a new church plan that's been around for whatever it is. I always have cash so that I can give it to the homeless people on the corners. And even if it's the same guy I saw the other day, you know, we're just share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. And that, that's really what it's about. Right? We should be caring for each other. Some of my favorite pictures of the early church in the book of Acts, that it says that they sold all of their possessions, and, and different, or some of their possessions, to help those who were in need. It says nobody among their group was in need. Right? That was God's plan. You don't need to go get another credit card. We should be able to help each other because sometimes I have to and can give to help my friends sometimes I'm the one in need and hope that my family and friends can help me. And that's what God has established for us. Right? Right? We're one body. It'd be weird to um, only like care for your hands and knees, right? Not to care for your other arm or something. Because we all need our bodies to be healthy. Right? So after you establish giving, start taking control of your money. Right? Get rid of debt the best that you can. Get rid of things 
saying you maybe have too much of so that you can stop dictating your life. Right? Uh, there's a thing called Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. He gives some really awesome teachings on um, just kind of how to get back control of your money. Um, if, if you have enough people interested um, in taking something like that, there's a class we can offer here. Um, and uh, I think it's totally beneficial, but you can also just buy his books and do some of his programs online, I think. Uh, so definitely a really good place to start, just looking into. But do this with balance, right? I think Victoria and I may have jumped ship a little too far, going from wanting to house everything to you like nothing, and um, thanks to just some generous friends giving us a place to even park our trailer for a while. Like, okay, you know, how our balance? You know, in different spots in our lives. And I do believe that if, if you're still comfortable, you probably haven't gone far enough. You know, if, if I was standing on the edge of something about to fall, yeah, if, if I just stood straight up, I would still fall because I had to counter my balance. And sometimes when I'm leaning so far, you have to kind of counter back so that you can find that balance again. So I encourage you when you're considering these things to, to push maybe a little bit into what feels uncomfortable so that you can find the balance that God has for you. Let's pray. God, I just want to pray that, that prayer that Ava prayed, God, give us neither poverty nor riches. Just give us enough to satisfy our needs. And help us to find a balance between having money and our money having us. Help us to consider our ways as we strive to get right with you. God, I pray that in each of our lives that you begin to, to show us where um, we can make some better decisions with our money so that it doesn't master us, but that we live for you only. To remind us that it's still okay to have money and to have things as long as they don't have us. If it would just continue to, to open our eyes to the world around us and, and just see where we can have better balance of our lives so that we can live our best lives for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Go and serve the right master today.